whether you're a guy in a cape or a rogue who's sneaky. Join me and Roger, who's not here right now, but we still love him, as we entertain the geeky. Guys, what's going on? We have a very special guest, Sean White, here. What's going on, Sean? Well, I'm just sitting here being amazing, providing you this excellent experience like no other. Like no other. So, um, basically, you came to talk about the Dungeon Crawl for a Cure, which you were the main organizer of. We had Tony on a while back, and he gave us a bunch of information on it. And you wanted to kind of fill in the blanks, and a bunch of new stuff has developed from the last time that we had spoken to Tony. And... For our listeners, we are still letting you guys roll characters and stuff for us, so you need to get on that because Sean's harping at me about money here. So uh, make this happen so that we can um, be what you want us to be. So, uh, Sean, what you got, man? Anything good? Oh, there's all sorts of amazing things. Now, we can uh, we can talk about some of the incredible options with magical items that's on the website. We can talk about the character creation process. Um and uh, get an idea of what you guys are expecting when you arrive. Of course, I can't reveal everything because I want it to be a surprise. But You don't want to completely open Pandora's box. <laughs> right, but you're, right. you're, you're okay with letting somebody take a little peek. Um, so as far as, because we'll, we'll jump right into it, uh, character creation. Um, the people that I've spoken to have been a little bit afraid of pregens. And they're not boring pregenerated characters. So kind of fill our listeners in on what's going on with the pregens. All right, so the man who's in charge of all the pregens was the gentleman who was here last time. I've had him uh, create all the uh, pregenerated characters. Now, interestingly enough, almost everyone who's bought a ticket has bought the platinum ticket. So the uh, I think there's maybe four people who have purchased a pregen. The rest of them have gone, you know, all in on creating their own character. So if um, if you are worrying about the pregens, well, um, you'll have a lot of options because everyone else will have pretty unique characters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then with, uh, with items, um, right from the get-go, you guys have not been candid about having just absolutely incredible magical items. And uh, your, your whole thing right out of the gate was you're going to pay for it but it's going to wow you. Yeah, we want you to be able to have the magical items that your dungeon master would never let you have. So if you go to the website and you check out the early bird items, you can pick out some of the magical equipment pieces that you would find in the dungeon master's guide or you can scroll down and build your own magical suit of armor or your own a magical weapon. You can also enchant some of the items that are in the Dungeon Master's Guide that are on the list. Nice. Like the robes of the Archmagi, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, since that uh, it is considered an armor in our ruling, it's a, I believe it's considered a body slot or an armor slot. I'd have to look at it. We'd have to. I don't have it directly in front of me. But you can apply some additional enchantments to it. Nice. Um, so... If you wanted to, if I, I don't have it sitting in front of me, but I think the Arc Magi. Do you guys do you remember what that bonuses are on it? I honestly don't. I've not. I've not looked over all the bonuses. So um, if you, so there's a, a bonus in the game, and this is the very basic stuff. Uh, one of the questions someone asked me says, uh, "Can I have an enchantment if my weapon isn't a plus one or higher?" And the answer is yes. You could have your. You could have a whip and have no plus one to it. And you could load every single weapon enhancement on that item. If you want a greater bonus, you can go to the magical might bonus, and you could be like, "Well, I want to spend fifty bucks and have like a, a huge bonus on that as well to attack and damage." So you could have a, a, a whip that you know is a vorpal and chops people's heads off, and it That's could awesome. slice people's arms off and cut them in half, and it does greater damage to. Uh, to uh, like dragons, or um, uh, it could be causing frost damage or necrotic damage that just tears people to, apart. That's super badass. And then you're also letting people buy advantage and disadvantage. Right. And that is something that we touched on a little bit with Tony here. But um, what a profound difference that makes in gameplay. I don't think has been completely communicated with the listeners. They know advantage is a big deal. But being able to buy it multiple times on one roll, correct? 
So it's like this. Uh, you can. It depends on the kind of role that you have. If it's a multi-staged role, so there are magical items and certain roles in the game that exist sometimes where it's like you roll your d20 and if you roll a 20, you can roll it again and see if you roll a 20. In those instances, you could spend an advantage multiple times. Nice. But otherwise, you have uh, if you're making a death save, you spend your money, you got that advance token, you spent it to uh, roll two dice and take the better of the two. Um, you only get to spend one in that roll specifically. Uh, but over the next several turns, you probably want to spend advantage so your character doesn't die. Um, the... Now, you can not only can you spend advantage in order to help your character survive, you can also use that inspiration token to give someone disadvantage. So if I'm sitting at another table and you're over there and I know that you're rolling your death saves, I could and I hear that, I could be like, I'm spending an inspiration token, so he's rolling a disadvantage. Nice. And then you're like, what? And you're like, no, I'm going to spend advantage. I say, I'm going to spend another inspiration token. So I'm breaking it back, you know, so... If I bring you a disadvantage, you're going to have to spend a, an inspiration to bring it to zero, where it's just rolling normally. And if you want to get back to disadvantage, then you're going to spend another one. I love it. So you're hopping back and forth, and it can enter into a bid war in order to try and kill your character. Yeah, and that's that's freaking hysterical. Um, now, one of the things that also uh, we had touched on, we, we've expressed so much interest in wanting to drop a Demogorgon. Mm-hmm. And you were like, Chris... That's going to be fucking expensive. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, man, this thing's probably going to cost like 100 200 bucks. No big deal. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> so for our listeners, if you want us to drop a Demogorgon on somebody, it is a minimum of $450. Yeah. A maximum of $1,800. And do you want to kind of explain how that tears yeah, yeah, out? Yeah, actually. I still have the same napkin in my pocket. Beautiful. When I was last time. <laughs> So it was uh, the other day I was uh, at a restaurant and every hour of every day I'm thinking about this event. The only, With the only exception being when I'm sleeping or whenever I'm working. Because when I'm ever at work, I'm at work and that's what I do. But every single minute of every day otherwise, I'm focused on this fundraiser. And whenever people come to me with an issue, something that will make this event better or enrich their experience, I'm trying to make it as fantastic as possible and i know you guys wanted to do the demogorgon but i was like man it's it's just not possible so in order to make that possible if it is even possible still it can be afforded i mean you're looking at most likely it being a total party kill drop in that demogorgon on someone's oh, group absolutely you know unless of course it's one of the like another big team who's going to shell out a lot of cash and we welcome that you know we are uh, a game that is all about being on an equal paying field. <laughs> so what we have is uh, there were f- actually there were four levels of monsters that you can buy, and the four levels has to do with your participation and your expectation as the donator. The most expensive one, uh, which is to your greatest advantage, is it's say the Demogorgon price wise as we spoke. Uh, 1800 bucks if you were to have the best option. And that best option is that Demogorgon, if you kill it, if you kill it, it drops no loot. So whatever money they spend to overcome that Demogorgon is just lost to the ether. On top of that, a D, the DM will be playing him. Okay, So for us, whenever we're running the event, I want my dungeon masters to have the most fun imaginable. And whenever you're controlling, already controlling the the different NPCs they have to role play, uh, the monsters, preparing for the next stage, making sure that everyone's being taken care of. Yeah, you got a full plate as a DM, yeah. So you drop that Demogorgon on their plate and they're like, oh my god, oh my god, what do I do? Well, a lot of of guys that play D&D now have never even used one. Right. And there's a shit ton that they do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like when we pulled it out and we're looking at the stats and everything it's fucking obscene oh yeah um yeah. so the the fact that you're willing to uh say okay you know the dm's got to do it and part of this is just making it worth their while yeah and you know because we uh these are volunteers these dungeon masters are coming in and they could be playing but instead they want to help us help the people who really need it which is the people suffering with this terrible disease and we can go into further detail after a little bit Absolutely. about what this disease is and what it entails. I, I think that Tony may have tried, but unless you know, you're know you in the driver's seat of 
of the disease, it's really hard to explain. Absolutely. So that top level, you know, uh, you pay more because the DM is handling your uh, your investment. Uh, the next level down is where there is no loot drop, but you or someone that you know controls the monster. They sit down at that table and they take control of it while the DM is still running the game. Nice. Because there could be, you know, what if there's, you know, five goblins already, they're fighting, and suddenly, you know, you drop the Demogorgon. Those goblins are still fighting, and they're on the same side as a Demogorgon trying to kill you. You know, and uh, most likely in that point of the story, it won't be a Demogorgon. Not a Demogorgon, it won't be a, a goblin. You know, maybe you're fighting a bunch of Hydras or something, you yeah. know. That's, a, you know, goblin easy peasy if well, you're already at that point. Everything you guys have scaled to the max. Yeah. It's how yeah. extreme can we make this to make it as just off the wall and badass as possible. Right. Now, uh, and I, um, I'll go into some of the details of how we've offset some of the... Uh, the min-maxery and the, the over-the-top because it's meant to be fun. It's not where, like, if you have no money and you come or little money and you come and you play, uh, we're not penalizing you because we appreciate the charitable contribution that you've made and there's ways for you to compete even if you're not um, a millionaire. So, uh, and we'll go into that after this. I don't want to get too far off of the, the, the topic here. Now, the next level, which is uh, you will, uh, it's, it's, Played by the DM, uh, but there's an equipment drop. Okay, so that Demogorgon, he's a bad dude, okay? Because of his his uh, value uh, and his danger level to the group, and his C- this is where the CR comes in, is the CR will dictate how much of a loot drop it is. So if you got the Demogorgon, which I think is 22, 23, you are loading up that group with an innate or more of treasure, and there's a possibility you may have sealed your fate in the arena battle because they might have so much that it's hard to compete with them at that point. It's like giving them a four, like if it costed, uh, you know, you might have just donated to them $600 in equipment. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's great for them if they were able to come in because they probably spent a bunch of money in order to even defeat it for that matter. The last one and most um, cost effective way is for. There to be that that equipment drop where you they get loot and one of your teammates or you or one of your friends you brought to the event plays the Demogorgon and uh, and fights the team for you. It takes the responsibility off of our DMs and it's it's making it uh, where it's not as fun ruining as the other levels would be because these monsters what we built in the game it's expected that monsters would be dropped in. But not everyone's expecting like a CR twenty to be dropped Correct. on your group, right? Yeah. So if if that might ruin the fun or the adventure or end their ability to compete in the arena or throughout the dungeon, it's got to be worth our time. And that time being uh, the opportunity for those people to contribute, further contribute, and make it further into the event that they could be spending to help people uh, in the fundraiser. Most definitely. So it's like, how much are you willing to pay to uh, ensure that you win? And uh, what are you offsetting uh, the fun for uh, for the cause? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's what makes this event extra special. Because you're, you're really not, like you said, you're not trying to penalize anybody that's playing. Uh, you're like, hey, it might not go your way. But you will have ample opportunity to buy some advantage or mm-hmm. just to, if somebody pisses you off, they <laughs> yeah. do you dirty, yeah. get them back. Absolutely. Because um, I think you said it was like 30 bucks to drop just some little monsters on somebody. Sure, uh, absolutely. That's... So you can go throw, let's say you've got 60 bucks as a group and you're like, I just want to be a thorn in these bastard sides now because they just screwed us over. Do it. Boom. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 viable, it's fun, and it's going to be fun to watch them struggle. And guess what? You get to play as those monsters. Oh, What's more gratifying than that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there is this uh, one of the, the – the, there are monsters that, that are available too. They're still big monsters, like a young red dragon, for example. Now, don't quote me exactly because uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. But like dropping a red dragon – uh, young dragon where it is at the top tier you're looking at it being about 120 bucks right and that is probably a tpk in of itself yeah right 
Uh, but if you wanted to, you know, reduce that value, uh, you could drop it for 30 bucks, but they're going to get loot and you're going to have to have someone control it. So it's, it is an opportunity to incentivize. Uh, now, these big creatures, though, uh, there are rules that govern when you can drop the monsters, where you can drop them. And, and this is what we call your uh, donation deficit. And every table has them. And they come into play based upon the act of the event that you're in. Now, I'm not going to go into the details about what the exact numbers of those donation deficits mm-hmm. are. Uh, but with each act, that number will increase the amount that you can drop on someone. This is supposed to be fun. And if you step into the dungeon, you walk 10 feet and someone drops a young red dragon on your table, that's not fair. Or there's, fun. Right. Yeah. There's no way that you could win. And that sucks. No one will want to come back. And we don't want that. We want you to have the most amazing role playing experience imaginable. We want you to walk away and say, man, that felt like the first time I gamed or that first epic campaign that I played in. That's what we want. And I think that's something that we're all chasing as uh, experienced role players. Absolutely. That overwhelming, magical uh, sense of wow. Absolutely. So I guess guess now that people have a little bit of an understanding on how the event's going to run, and all that. How many slots do you guys have left? Okay, so we're actually in the what were called the alternate slots now. Uh, we have some time ago we hit our uh, maximum, and we mm-hmm. hit it pretty quickly, and that's flattering. That felt nice too. Uh, after the hundreds and hundreds of uh, volunteer hours that I've dumped into the project, to turn around and people say we love the idea and we're going to contribute the maximum, and that's real. That's great. Yeah. You know? Uh, so if you want to participate, this is what you're looking at. Um, you will, uh, we have decided to max out the tables at nine. The ninth table is an alternate table. It's called the first alternate. What that means is that uh, as long as we have nine dungeon masters, you, that ninth table will run. Otherwise, uh, you are like the, you will be in an order based upon your registration. Uh, whether or not you get to seed. So in the first act, if someone gets knocked out, they get killed, that seed opens up. Okay, Okay, and you can basically fill that vacancy. You can't. Now, I I think Tony last time talked about how you can rebuy, you know, just like if it were like a poker tournament. Mm -hmm. Did he mention that? I'm not certain. I I, I don't recall, but I mean, that's been a month ago since we had that conversation. Right, it was a while ago. So... Uh, to to I want to go into greater detail in case he did or did not. I want to explain the rebuy system and the alternate system because it's essential at this point, especially since we have uh, that's where we're at. Any tickets that you're going to buy is going to be an alternate. Okay, so if you are playing, you have all sorts of opportunities to stay. Right uh, there is the advantages, and you can buy heal potions. You spend a buck, you roll 1d6, you heal that amount of money, that much hit points. Okay. Okay, you can't go above your hit point maximum unless you have some ability or a piece of equipment that has increased your maximum hit points. Gotcha. Okay. Now, if you have, let's say you pick up a piece of equipment that says increase your maximum hit, by, hit points by 20. It does not increase by 20. Like, you don't, you don't get plus 20 hit points. It just increases the size of the bottle. Okay. You still need to get your hit points up to that point. That makes sense. Now, the reason why we did this is because um, I saw it as an opportunity for players to um, get around the healing system. Be like, well, I'm just going to equip this item that gives me plus 10 hit points. Now I have 10 more hit points. Now I give it to my friend, and he does it, and I'm at max now, and then he's up, you know, he has more hit points. Yeah. I want to avoid that loophole. Uh, because it can easily fall into that loophole. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, if there's if there's a if there's a way to break the game, people are going to figure it out. Right. And we want you to break the game, but if you intend to break it, uh, send me a uh, send contest us at support. It's on the website, um, which should be support at uh, dc four cure c u r e dot com, and tell us how you want to do it. That way, when you show up to the event and you're trying to break it, and we're like, "Whoa, we don't. We're gonna have to clarify this." If you tell me how you want to uh, to build it 
in advance, we can talk about the ruling and most likely it's going to be in your favor. Yeah. And if it's not, we will create something so that you can make it happen. Most likely. Well, like uh, your, your whole thing. So like as soon as we started talking about doing dumb shit, you were like, okay, let me find a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. No, we're not going to do that. It was let me find a way to make it work effectively. Right. Uh, and that's that's kind of been your mantra because that's whole that's part of your whole let's just have fun with it. This, right. This is going to be a good time, period. And if I th- – one of the layers to that is let's say you have this really big idea and you want to do it and it's game-breaking, like ridiculously game-breaking. That's not f- – it's not fair because you're reducing the fun for everyone else. But since we are – an even paying field if you pay the right amount of money we can make it happen and it's not like that's going into my pocket i'm not making any money this is going for a great cause to help people with cancer everything that you donate is helping them so it's not like we're needling you as uh, to make more money to you know have more coins and it's not what that's about we want to make sure that the people who are participating in this event feel like whatever it is that they're paying has a value and they're still able to have fun. And if you got to pay the extra tax in order to break the system, then so be it. And I think other people are okay with that. But if you walk in and you spend like 10 bucks and your um, your little like loophole defeats what someone else spent $500 for, that sucks. Oh, for sure. And we don't want that. You know, but if you're smart enough to take like three or four different items and be like, well, this is the loophole. And we look at it and be like, yeah, you're smart. Thumbs Good up. Good job, yeah. Approved, you know. Absolutely. So if you're trying to come from left field, let us know. And most likely it's going to weigh in your favor because we're going to figure out how to do it. I love it. So, and that the, the thing that we've not really talked about is what is this going to? All right, so uh, the organization is called INCAN. And it's the Neuroendocrine Cancer Awareness Network. This organization is near and dear to me because I have neuroendocrine cancer. About two years ago, I was diagnosed and I ended up losing my right lung and uh, all sorts of lymph nodes. Um, My current status in it is unknown because I don't have medical insurance currently. I'm between doctors and that's a nightmare in of itself. But the disease, more specifically, I want to focus on what the the organization is and more about the disease. It's not about me. It's about helping other people in their journey. Now, the unfortunate thing is that my story actually has a parallel to a lot of other people who are suffering through this disease. And the story that matters is there's a lot of misdiagnosis. Most people with this disease are misdiagnosed for over a decade. Holy shit. So you have people whose longevity are just being crushed. Their quality of life is being damaged. A lot of people with this disease have never seen the right doctor. A lot of people end up getting pulled down on paths that they get the wrong treatment options. And that's devastating. I've known people who have been put on chemotherapy that was not appropriate for the disease. My chemotherapy may or may not have been appropriate. For the disease. My oncologist didn't know anything about my disease. And there were many times whenever I'd go and talk to him and he would change how he described the disease itself. I was the first person with this kind of cancer that he had ever seen. And he was giddy about it. At first, I thought that was great. But later I realized that you were a guinea pig. Right. He was just excited about probably writing an article about me sometime down the pipe. But he knew nothing. An example, uh, there's a a special kind of test that is made specifically for people with neuroendocrine cancer. And it was approved by the FDA, I believe it was in, um, I think in May 2016. And um, it's made to help find neuroendocrine tumors because they are more difficult typically to see than regular tumors. And I went to him and I said, you know... um, after I'd already done chemotherapy and uh, long after I had my lung removed, and uh, I was like, I started to research and question his, his knowledge base because the things that he was saying didn't add up. I went online and I found out all these tests that were supposed to be ran before even having my surgery. And I went to him and I go, why haven't you ran this test and this test and this test? Why haven't we, why haven't you looked for tumors using this 
this, uh, this special kind of scan called a gallium-68 scan. And there's a few other names for it. And he goes, well, that scan test isn't meant for you. And I said, well, what? And he goes, yeah, that's not for you. That's, that's not for you. And I'm like, uh, and I try to explain them that, you know, I had the FDA site right there. Not going to listen. You know, didn't care. Uh, and that is a, you know, for him to say that and not having an awareness of that can that scan is made for uh, my kind of disease that he's not up to date on it is something that happens across the board. You get treated incorrectly, you get misdiagnosed. Like our, um, our ribbon is zebra striped. And the idea behind that is doctors are trained that if you hear hoof beats, it's most likely a horse. But in our instance, it's a zebra. And so, you know, we are trying to teach doctors to look for this anomalous disease. Uh, and you'd say, well, Sean, uh, why would they be looking for something so rare? Well, it is rare, but it's also really common. Uh, neuro, it depends on the placement of where the disease is. If it's below your stomach, it's the second leading cancer behind colorectal. Okay. If it's above, if it's your stomach and above, it's ridiculously rare. And that's the easiest. I mean, it's it's more complicated, but that's yeah. an easy way to to summarize Putting it in the it. layman's terms for me and the listeners, basically. Right, right. Yeah. So my cancer is super, super rare, like crazy rare. Uh, I have a uh, I have what's called an atypical carcinoid, and we're trying to eliminate the term carcinoid from the community because it has misleading uh, connotations to doctors. Most time, doctors will tell people with a carcinoid that they have a um, uh, that they don't have cancer, and then they treat them that way. Unfortunately, we do have cancer. It is a malignant cancer, and it's, it can be, uh, depending upon which grade it is, it can be very aggressive and very lethal and very uncomfortable. And if you don't have the right doctor for it, it's you are effed in the A. And well, I know one day uh, you came into the shop. And you were like, I feel like I'm on fire, is basically how you described it. And uh, you're like, I guess my glands just released a bunch of hormones into my uh, body or something, and it fucking hurts. It's a so the neuroendocrine cancer is different than most other kinds of cancers. The uh, most cancers, it's like this: you have a lazy slob who lives in your living room. He's eating all your food. He's trashing your house, and his filth is just going everywhere. And progressively, he he destroys your home. That's like normal cancer, right? My cancer does everything that that does, but it also synthesizes and secretes hormones. So every tumor can be a gland that creates hormone. And not just one hormone, and it could create all sorts of hormones, and even hormones that they can't detect. So like, I have a, uh, I have a, a, a carcinoid uh, neuroendocrine tumor that in, was in my lung. Now, lung nuts predominantly will synthesize up three different kinds of hormone. The first one's adrenocorticotropin hormone, another one be histamine, and then serotonin. All of them create all sorts of bad problems. Uh, adrenocorticotropin hormone will cause a, a disease called uh, Cushington's, and uh, it's not a really good one to have, and I have great empathy for anyone who has it, and I hope no one does. I, don't, I wish no one has this disease either, but you know, it's very uncomfortable. Histamines, you know, a lot of wheezing, difficulty breathing, and all the other bad things that come from histamines. Now, when we talk about serotonin, though, serotonin is super, super cool because uh, most people have such a great misunderstanding of what it is. Like you think about it and you say, "Oh, oh all my so ser- you can sleep, right?" Well, yeah. well, that's yeah, that could be one. It's also it's associated with melatonin. Yeah, serotonin is taken and turned into melatonin, so you can sleep. Really neat. Now. And also, people just think about it, it's a mood regulating thing well, in your yeah, brain. Like, oh, good. it's all this good stuff. Yeah. But only 10% of your serotonin is synthesized in your brain. And it's created in a place called your raphinuclei in your midbrain. And that's used for the brain parts that you need. It doesn't leave your brain. And it stays in there because of your blood brain barrier. The rest of it is synthesized in your gut. And it's made by these things called your intercomethin cells. Now, these will synthesize them and it releases the hormone into your bloodstream and in there just like any other hormone our blood just like there's hormones sitting there until it's ready to be used and one of the primary functions of serotonin is bowel motility so we'll take that serotonin and we send it to your to your guts and then it helps you have bms bowel movements makes pooping right absolutely yeah 
So one of the lar one of the big uh, hormones that are synthesized by patients with neuroendocrine cancer is serotonin, and those levels will spike to really high degrees. An example being some people who suffer with the carcinoid syndrome, which is the term that's called whenever the serotonin is just like you know super fire through the up, roof right? kind of thing. yeah. You know, you could have people who have BMs like 15 to 20 or more BMs in a day. Holy shit. So you're spending hours. Right. Some some people have to map where they're going to go to use the restroom. Good God. And it's not predictable. I mean, sometimes it could be firing up. Sometimes it drops down low. Sometimes it can do the reverse. You know, maybe you're deficient and now you're not pooping enough, right? And that's not very comfortable. So is it one of those things where you get almost euphoric because no, it's a different the serotonin part. in your brain? I wouldn't say so. Uh uh, my research, and I'm not a doctor, so I want to preface this, is that like, if you're listening to me, it's, I'm not giving you any kind of medical knowledge, and I'm not an expert. I'm just a patient who's well-versed in his own disease. Now, uh, my research, and I could be wrong, but my research indicates that the mood-elevating component is not a part of it because of the blood-brain barrier. So the, the, the serotonin that's being synthesized in your brain is not going to impact the stuff that's going down into your guts and vice versa. Fair enough. Now, and does it does it make you because like we had talked about earlier, serotonin will oftentimes be turned into melatonin, and uh, you get you get tired and stuff like that. Right, is, but that's up here. It's still oh in your yeah. Head. Okay, still that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, because so, your melatonin, if I'm remembering correctly, it's uh, uh, synthesized in your pineal gland, I think. So that's all going to be in the brain. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So th this is just one of those things that, okay, I have to shit all the time. That's what can be one. Or I might not poop at all. I might not poop for two days. Right, that can be another one. You can have an impacted bowel or something like that. And that's, and that's just that's just one symptom. Yeah, um, that's insane. It also uh, will attack your heart valves. So people with this disease, the serotonin will destroy their heart over time. So, and that's not even the metastasis of the, of the tumors. The, the hormones themselves will take your body apart. Uh, and that's just three. And there's numerous other hormones, uh, and uh, some of the hormones it's, they might even not even have tests for because this is a malfunction of the, of the body and it's creating more than what it needs. Whenever I talk to people, they don't seem to be real versed in what like hormones do, being that they are the chemical messengers of this of the body. Mm -hmm. People are always like, "Well, you know, we need to take this and adjust your hormones and do this," and I'm like, "I, I don't. I've never like." Not a big fan of the nutrition stuff when people are trying to, um, and that's a whole nother. I'm gonna sidestep. Whole nother there. beast there. Okay. Oh yeah. So, because I'm I'm a science based person, I believe in personal advocacy. I believe that we should always research, and anything that anyone ever says to you, you should question. Uh, even myself, like whenever I get when I'm talking about the things that I know, I encourage people to question me. And to look for themselves to see if it's true. Well, yeah, just more research is more knowledge that's ultimately going to be out there. And the more knowledge, the better we are. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. So the there's any number of hormones that uh, could be activating. And all of them, whenever they're in elevated levels. Our body it has like a v very narrow range of the kind of the, the amount of a particular hormone that's supposed to be there. If it goes up, it can have catastrophic results. If it's too low, it can have catastrophic results. And there are a lot of diseases that are just whenever your hormone levels are hyper or hypo. Mm -hmm. You want it in that healthy level. Uh, you want your body to be in a state of homeostasis. And if it's not, then everything's out of whack and, and you're going to be in a lot of misery. Gotcha. Um, and huh, somebody's knocking at the door. Um, let me, guys, I'm going to pause it briefly here and we'll get right back to this conversation. So there we go. Okay. Sorry, everybody. UPS was at my door. Did not expect that one. Um, bizarre. <laughs> so, we, where, where did we leave off there? I believe we were talking about some of the hormones. Yes. And, uh, so the disease itself, um, and in synopsis, it's a disease that functions just like a normal cancer, and I'm gonna say kind of like because it's not a, it. It actually has to be treated in a completely different way than normal cancers are treated. Um, and um, if it's not going back to what I said earlier, you're in bad shape if you do not have what's called a net specialist and you have neuroendocrine cancer. So the organization that I that I volunteer for, they're the 
They're called INCAN, which is the Neuroendocrine Cancer Awareness Network. They, their function is primarily is they work with patients to connect them with uh, people who specialize in the disease. Uh, they help educate those patients. They help educate doctors. They try to encourage doctors to become net specialists because there are not enough of them. They donate to cancer research. We also work on increasing awareness uh, to the public of this, this cancer because research is showing that it's more common than what we thought. They, and you could say, well, is that because the, there's more people getting it? I don't know. Or is it because the detection ability is increasing? You know, as technology increases, our ability to see things has Absolutely. Increased. So um, that is a, uh, so we're trying to educate people more. We're trying to make sure that whenever you're first diagnosed, you get in the right hands. Uh, I thought I was in the right hands when I began, and it took a long time to realize that I didn't. And I'm glad it happened, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that I went through, I was put through the ringer. Because every bad thing that happens to us is an opportunity to learn how to help someone else. And in my journey, I fell into so many holes that now as I look back over the journey, it's like walking around with a lantern. And I can illuminate the path so others can avoid stepping in them. And if they have to step in them, then I can help teach them how to make it a controlled drop. Maybe they only break their leg instead of their back. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that's a win. Uh, maybe somebody doesn't have to lose a lung because of it. Right. Or, well, well. Here's the thing: you. the lung had to go. Okay, it had to, have go. to go. Surgery is one of the best methods of treating this cancer. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And is it just removing the glands that you believe it to be in? Well, there, no, no, it's not even the glands. Mine was in my lung, dude. It, okay, and it so, wiped out my so, lung so completely. So these tumors, because you did explain this, these tumors act as a gland. Mm-hmm. So it's basically going to wherever you can find this tumor, just getting that shit out. Right. I've known, I've, uh, I've spoken to people who've had uh, tumors and their, the neuroendocrine tumors in their skin and their eye. There have been people who've had it in their genitals. But predominantly, you're going to find neuroendocrine cancer. It's going to be in the lungs. It's going to be in the pancreas. It's going to be in the liver. It's going to be in the stomach. It's going to be in, like, your intestine. Um, and uh, I believe sometimes it will be in your kidney um, and, a, and a handful of other places. Now, once it gets to your, your liver, you're in trouble, and you're going to really need some help. Uh, you need help across the board anyways. But it's, it's a different kind of monster when we're talking about cancer. Well, and it's just your liver is sending things all over your body all the time right so yeah that's that's a death sentence i mean purifying system and if it's not being purified correctly yeah right then you're in trouble so the removal of my lung was essential and uh i mean sure i wish i could have kept it because life is very challenging without it and uh you know so pardon me if you can occasionally hear me wheeze or what have you through the microphone but i got no choice it's not like i'm you know, uh, willfully Knocking both the lungs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I only have uh so they removed my right lung, which yeah. is the big one. Uh, and so I got the petite one on the left. Okay. Is what you I'm got the baby on. lung. Yeah. Now do you, and this is such a stupid question. Can you stretch your lung or anything like that? Like, I know that's bizarre. I don't know. Uh, I do exercises as much as I can. Okay. Um, I've never read any actual documentation that says that you can. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that you could. Uh, but people say it. But going back to that personal advocacy thing and research, I love. I'm an avid researcher, but I've never actually looked into it. Uh, maybe because I want to um, buy into the idea that it's possible that it can function better. And sure, I think that it might be able to. Eat. Maybe if it doesn't stretch, maybe the uh, respiratory muscles can function better. You know, it's something something yeah. and uh or just believing that it does minimizes the discomfort of the experience oh absolutely so i guess because we're, we're talking about this cancer and how it can be in a, a just bajillion different places yeah how often do you think it is that cancer is just entirely misdiagnosed because this could be all the time if if we've got let's say nine out of 10 people that have cancer go to one doctor. And let's say it's like your doctor who doesn't really know shit about this particular disease. Um, we could have nine, you know, nine of those 10 people completely misdiagnosed and only one goes to the right specialist. This, this could be a little more common than we know. Even like, like you said, our ability to detect it's getting better. Right. Right. Um, but it, it, it could be fucking everywhere. Like 
Oh, it could be absolutely. That, that, that's, There's a lot of people, a lot of celebrities who have it who or who and died of it, and we just don't know. Um, and in, or it hasn't, or the media paints it differently. It's another thing. So we're we're under um, like it has existed in major celebrities, but the media chose to label the cancer as another kind. Okay, they have lung cancer from smoking. Right. Yeah, but it's wow. not. You know, uh, Steve Jobs is an example of that. He had neuroendocrine cancer. Uh, but they uh, they represented his cancer as a different kind. So that's a detriment to our cancer because if we would have had someone like Steve Jobs as one of our... As a fucking know, spokesperson? Right. Yeah. Think about how many lives that could have saved. When I guess that or that, the comfort of the lives increased, you know. Let let let's let's kind of let that be the transition. How how do you detect it? Like how do you how do you know when something is wrong? It's case by case. Like a lot of people, you'll be misdiagnosed for years for like one of the bigs. So okay, I'm before I'm gonna go into that part. Just because I say some of these symptoms, don't lead yourself down the path of thinking that don't you have this disease. Don't say I have cancer. Yeah. Right. Um. Oh my God, that reminds me of another story. I'm going to bring me back. I want to tell you, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Okay, shoot. Whenever I was going through chemotherapy, uh, and I have nothing against chemotherapy. I've known people who have been cured by it. So um, if you want to engage this crap about big pharma hiding uh, the, the, the cure to cancer, you can go fuck yourself. All right. I'm really passionate about that. So shoot, uh, they save lives. And I've known people who it has saved lives. Okay. But that's another tangent. Um, the uh, pardon me for the the vulgar. Well, language no, no, no. There. But part of, so okay for our listeners, everybody's body is going to react to medications Absolutely. differently. So if you have somebody pumping, you know, pumping you full, of, let's say you're getting your chemo, that's a it's a bunch of fucking toxins that are getting pumped into your body, and it, it's done in such a way that your the cancer can be destroyed either yes. by your body or because uh, a lot of the time they try to have your white blood cells attack it is so that it's, correct it's like the in different chemo medicines work in different ways okay and i'm not an oncologist so i can't tell you yeah. specific details because i'm not a doctor but in in order to kill the cancer they have to go at it really aggressively and that kills your body at the same time it's a it's, a it's fucking hard yeah but it, the cancer is pretending to be your body so that it, it makes sense. That, well, it okay, is your so, body. So. Yeah. So, well, but you, you know what <laughs> I mean? A, yeah, it's an abnormal growth of your cells. Correct? Oftentimes, uh, so the drugs attack cells that rapidly reproduce. So and the cancer rapidly reproduces. But so too do your mucous membranes. And so oh. your, your mucous membranes will suffer. And anything that has a mucous membrane will suffer. Think about all the different organs in your body that have mucous membranes. Your stomach, your fucking lung, everything. Right, basically. your mouth, your eyes, yeah. everywhere. You know, so... Uh, it's terrible, and it does it, and it attacks your everywhere. There's so many different ways, but it is good. It saves lives. I have friends of mine who are on chemotherapy for the rest of their life, and if they miss a dose on one of their chemo drugs, uh, their their stun their uh, their lungs will begin to fill with liquid, and if they miss maybe two days, that liquid begins to harden, and if they're in say two or th- three or four days, then they're they're they will die. They shut down. Yeah. So wow saves lives and it's but it's not the answer for everything okay so whenever i talk about uh your your choices in life i say um when it comes to cancer or any serious disease uh, the price that you're going to pay isn't in money the price is in pain how much pain do you want to pay to live i think all of us need to think about that how much are you willing to trade for the existence that you have. And to you, what's more important? Is it the quality or the quantity? And it's different for all of us. I've known people who are parents and the quantity for them is often more important than the quality because they want to take care of their offspring. I have no children. I want quality. I have only people, only creatures who I take care of my two cats and I love them dearly, but I'm not going to live in abject horror for the rest of my existence for two cats that's absurd right absolutely (laughs) but quality for me is important it's up and it's a personal decision and so if chemotherapy isn't right for you then that's fine if you choose not to do it that's fine but you need to make it for you and you alone whenever you walk into this uh you'll have people who say well he chose the easy way out. He didn't do chemotherapy, and he just gave up. Well, they can shove it up their ass, all right? And here's the reason why. I 
It is your life. You are the only one who is paying that price in pain. And the people around you, if they want you to live for them, that's selfish. It's disgusting. You want someone to suffer just so that they can be around you a little bit longer? That's crap. If you love that person, let them live their life by their terms. If you want to live your life by your terms, you can't walk around demanding that everyone else do what you want them to do for your quality of life. Do it for you. Do your thing. This is you have one life to live. Make the best of it. Make it to the way you want to as live satisfactory as possible. Right. Yeah. And satisfaction is different. If you're going back to you, I'm sure that you're, uh, I don't know you, but like I know you're, we, you know, I've learned today that you have offspring. So having children, you know, having more years to be with them is often more important oh, yeah. than uh, the pain that you might have to endure in order to be there with them. It's a personal relationship with life. And the more that you explore that relationship, the better off you're going to be. Well, that's uh, so my grandmother died of cancer and she was uh, I think she had colon cancer. Um, now, that this is back in t- it was 99 that she was diagnosed. And uh, they basically they gave her three months to live. Um, she she decided that she would do any experimental drug that they would let her try and all this shit because she didn't fucking feel like dying and food doesn't taste the same and stuff like that is what she had said and Mm -hmm. uh, you can verify that i'm sure uh so you know she's going through chemo all this shit loses her hair um lady survives six years and uh the the way that it's often described by my family members is well she kicked cancer's ass for six years because she did she you get you get three months to live and you say fuck you i'm doing this for as long as i can and you do that um when she was diagnosed uh about two or i guess shit it was about five years later her brother's diagnosed with cancer and he um he went down fast my uncle did and i remember going to visit him with her one day and she gave the most inspirational speech i think i've ever heard in my life and it was regarding food so he was he was tube feeding at the time and she's like did you eat today and he's like yeah and he points to his tube and she's like no did you eat fucking food (laughs) and he's like it doesn't taste the same she goes it doesn't taste the same for me either you just fucking do it she's like you just eat it and that was like such a profound thing and it affected me in a way that i could have never imagined because yeah you fucking you do what it takes to be alive and that's what she did she shit on cancer for eight years because she was gonna (laughs) fucking eat the food that didn't taste right and let them poke her with whatever needles or whatever Mm -hmm. that's it's what she had to do and like you said you got to do what you have to do and i uh I can't help but respect and admire that. I think that's a good thing, especially when it comes to something like this. You know, do it the way that you think you have to do it. That's great. It's your life to to do with as you please. Um, and if you if you can deal with the bullshit and get through the pain part of it, do it. And if you if you're like, hey, I just want to be here longer. Okay, do whatever it takes to be here longer. Whatever it takes. That's a good thing. But to kind of bring us back around, um, detection. How, how do you recommend to our listeners, because I think this is important, a lot of us could have cancer right now and maybe not know it because it could be in the early stages or something like that. Sure. Well, there's, that's where you actually walk into another mess, which is uh, false detection of cancer um, or doing invasive procedures that are unnecessary based upon the aggressiveness of the cancer. People go in uh, sometimes and get parts of their bodies removed when it's unnecessary. And sometimes people go in and... Uh, they don't get the things removed that they should. Part of that goes outside of my scope. You know, uh, knowing uh, how to detect something uh, because it's a, it's a uh, if we're too vigilant, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Uh, you're going to live a terrible life. and uh, You don't want to live your life in fear. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, from my, like my personal story, I mean, I felt like hell for about two years before uh, phys- real physical symptoms began to manifest. Like, I felt like I had the flu constantly. I was in so much pain. I didn't understand. Like, the pain was so great. I didn't understand what the pain was. And it was it began to manifest as, like, anxiety. And I was just losing my mind. I thought I was going crazy. Because pain, when it's chronic, becomes the new normal. And then as that chronic pain begins to increase steadily... You reach thresholds that you just don't you don't understand. It's alien. You're like, why is my life falling apart? Uh, why am I so stressed out? You're like, well, it's because you are walking around with a seven or eight level pain, and it's become normal. And when you hit those points, you're like, 
what do I do? You know, how do I articulate this pain when it's overwhelming? My story as well as I didn't have insurance. Uh, I worked for the casino for a number of years, and then uh, one year they dropped me off their insurance plan, and I was without insurance. And so even if I was feeling terrible, what could I do? Getting one scan is cost prohibitive without insurance, or hell, sometimes with insurance is cost prohibitive. Yeah. And you're like, uh, I've, I spoke to one person. They said, well, you know, I've been, whenever I, they told me they've they found blood in their stool and they've been getting blood in their stool for a long time. And they're like, well, you know, I'll get it taken care of. I just can't do it now because it's so late in the year that if I do, then uh, I'm going to be out a lot of money and then I'll have to do it again. And I'm like, you know, that's a terrible situation. What do you do? I don't know. You know, because... Uh, Money's tight, and uh, sometimes if you you got to choose whether you eat or your children eat or you have a house over your head or you get this cost prohibitive scan that may or may not tell you anything. It's scary. So a lot of the time, are you are you looking for blood to be in your urine, your stool? Okay, so for mine is I was coughing up. This is another. I'm getting off topic. So to my so – like it could be any numerous things, and it's too hard to know. What I would say is whenever you're going and you're talking to your doctor – uh, I wrote a, uh, I wrote this uh, article on my blog. My, um, you mind if I plug my please, blog? Real please, quick? please. Yeah. My blog is called SeanWhiteBlog.com, and that's S H A W N B L O G dot com. It's not related to Incan. It's not related to the Dungeon Crawl for a Cure thing. It's different. But if you want to know more about my personal story and my philosophies and my uh, research into uh, pseudoscience, go and check it out. Um, but like. Our journey into actually being diagnosed and what happens to us to, to find it, it's going to be from different from person to person to person. But what's important is how do you talk to your doctor and how do you articulate that information of what your experience to them uh, when you go in? Whenever you go see a doctor, tell me what, what the experience is like. You know, say you're feeling like garbage and you've sat, you took you like a week to go see him or two weeks. So, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think more times than not, we, we go, we get seen by a nurse or a nurse practitioner first. Um, they come in, run your vitals, all this shit. Uh, doctor looks at a chart and is like, all right, is there anything else I need to know? Might look at your ears, might look at your throat. And this mm-hmm. is a r- regular checkup. And then leaves and goes about their business right and that's pretty standard you know you probably uh you have a very small window of uh of time to communicate what's what's ailing you mm-hmm. uh, a doctor one the coolest doctor i've ever met ever he's the smartest and funniest man I've ever met his name is dr wang i met him when i was in dallas for the incan leadership conference and that's where we learned an incredible amount of information about the disease and how we can help people within our own support chapters and uh, he gave us a lecture, and uh, in this lecture, I learned so much about how to help, uh, how to help patients and speak to their doctors. And one of the highlights that he had discussed is that window of opportunity that we have to communicate to our doctor what's wrong, and the high number being 25 seconds. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And you're lucky if you get that. So. When you're going in, you've got to have your ducks in order. And uh, on my website, I have uh, it's detailed. It's, it, it caters towards people with neuroendocrine cancer, but it's a, appropriate to anyone. How do you get your ducks in order so that what you're trying to convey is what you're trying to do? Now, a, a few bullet points. It would be send them an email right beforehand of what's going on. So okay. it has something to read because we go in and we get nervous. Uh, sometimes we're like, oh, crap, uh, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? Or you don't want to seem like you're being a whiner. Right, right. But who cares? Let that go. You're there to a doctor because you're not feeling well. Yeah. Help him or her figure out what's wrong with you. Uh, write everything down in bullet points. When you go in, uh, look at your bullet points and make sure you hit all of them. And make sure that you're not, you know talking and rattling on about stuff that's not necessary because what they're going to hear is okay that's not really a problem mayor you just want to complain or maybe they connect and hear a piece of information that's irrelevant you know because you're extrapolating on when your daughter went to her play and you started sneezing uncontrollably yeah and they're like oh you have allergies <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's get you some allergy medicine you know but zyrtec for you yeah but you you were coughing up blood and you just forgot to mention that 
uh, so bullet, we have a bullet point of what you're saying to them. Um, another one, which is have your medical records uh, ready. If you And there's two things you, this involves. If you're seeing a new doctor, get all of your medical records together. Uh, put it in a binder. Slice out all the stuff that's that's not necessary. Have it available if they want it, but get it down to those bullet points so that they can see your signs and symptoms and evaluate it effectively. Because I don't know about you, but mine is like hundreds of pages, if not thousands of pages. So you need to cut that down so that some can understand it. If I gave you, uh, let's say I gave you the Dungeon Master's Guide, yeah, and I right. said, uh, this Tell is me. what's wrong with me. Yeah. yeah you're, like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just like, uh, I think actually a really good role-playing uh, reference would be uh, when someone new comes and never played before, and they're in a group who's not very helpful, and they say, make a character, and they hand you the player's handbook. Or a character sheet. Because yeah. that, that might as well be hieroglyphics. Yeah, You absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah, um, and it's the same thing. You just yeah. got to... Empathy, I believe, is a big, big part of this. If you want to get... Proper healthcare. If you want to be diagnosed properly, empathize with your doctor. And a part of that is knowing, let's say if you don't know you have this rare disease, uh, well, clearly, you know, uh, what can you do? But if you know you have a rare disease, this is where it comes in is know that they have, and this is true for any actually, your doctors have limitations. The only thing that's things that they can know is what they do know. And so if uh, they are... Uh, so if they don't know, they can't help you, and you have to keep searching and scouring until you find someone who does. Absolutely. Um, other things I suggest is ask your doctor if you can record the conversation. So if you forget it, forget what was said, you have more to talk about. But the early diagnosis part, I know I'm beating around the bush with it, but it's just so hard. It's just and so no, that's hard. that's fair. That's fair. But listen to your body. Listen to your body. Pay attention to your body. Record if you are starting to feel weird things. It takes a little bit of discipline, but write down these things. Create a log of what's going on. Uh, what level of pain are you having? What happens when you, uh, you're you eating a particular thing? Does it cause a uh, – uh, is is there a side effect to that when you eat just eating food? With my disease, uh, there's there are um, all sorts of factors that determine uh, – they, they impact the disease more than others. If you know them, you can help regulate it. But I think the best way to summarize it without talking forever and ever about it is know your body and educate yourself. And when something changes, pay attention. Right. Um, no, that's. I think that's solid and sound and good for everybody to uh, to go on and to kind of pick things back up here because we've been we've been going for about an hour now. We'll start we'll start to tie it back into the dungeon crawl for the cure. Okay. Um, this is going to be an absolutely badass event. Uh, when I'm telling people about it, like I had a couple of guys that I was telling about it last night and at first they were like, is this just a regular D and D event? Because I don't want to pay to play. And I was like, no, 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 This is a, this is a uh, charity event. And they're like, oh, holy shit. That's awesome. Can you write it off? Yes. yes. Um, so <laughs> they, they were extremely excited about that jinx, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> They, they were extremely excited about that. And when people start to hear about the ways that the game is going to be broken, they get stoked. They're like, oh, really? Oh, really? This is amazing. <laughs> and it, like I was talking to you the other day, honestly, I'm at a point now. I don't care if I get to play for five minutes or for five hours. If I go in and just get blown up by something, I'm like, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to ride this little dragon, you know, um, something silly like that. Uh, so where where can our listeners go to get information about this? All right, so you want to go to dungeoncrawlforthecure.com. Uh, if I know Tony last time it said Dungeon Crawl for a Cure. You can find it there as well. After that podcast, I bought the other domain uh, <laughs> to make sure that uh, you would be able to find us. Uh, so yeah, dungeoncrawlforthecure.com. You can also find us on Facebook. If you go to Facebook... Please like us. That will help us in future, in the future, especially since we intend to do more amazing events uh, as, as we move forward. Uh, if you are interested in the event but you cannot attend, there are options for you to help the people that you like and also to help people that you don't know. Yeah. Uh, there on our, you can find that information. The easiest way to explain it uh, for, for this event is to go to our Facebook page 
and there is a uh, post there that will detail that information for you. Because we want, uh, let's say you can't make it because you got to work, or you just can't make it because you live in Illinois, or you live in like Minnesota, or mm-hmm. California, wherever you are, you can still participate. Now, I know as a listener base, you're wanting to contribute to uh, the Entertain the Geeky, and I welcome you to help them kick cancer's ass um, in this battle. I would love to see Entertain the Geeky have a, have a fighting chance against some of the other uh, titans at the event. Um, and so whatever you want to give them, that would be amazing. I would be super appreciative. Uh, I know that there's going to be some incredible items that are going to be at the event. There's yeah. a, a beautiful uh, Cthulhu trophy, which I'm getting ready to pick up after leaving here. Oh, that's awesome. It is a, uh, it's a custom uh, trophy. It's hand-painted. Uh, it's uh, created by a local business called the St. Charles Ghost Tours. And, okay yeah yeah so he is a and that guy is is, a, is amazing uh, he's put forward a, a lot of time and energy to help us make this event more fun for our uh for the players and he cares about the cause he's a very compassionate man even though at first when you run across him he feels a little bit abrasive uh he's actually a very loving uh man who cares about the community his uh, ghost tours are incredibly fascinating. If you guys ever have an opportunity to go down there and check them out, I'd strongly suggest it. Now, in this event, part of that first place is you'll be able to go to, uh, you'll get a, uh, one of the rewards is to go to on one of his ghost tours. Oh, okay, wow. Uh, in addition to, uh, there will be all sorts of, of uh, rewards in terms of uh, gift certificates, and there'll be some music and uh, sampling of all sorts of great things, all kinds for of goodies. For basically, it yeah. comes down to uh, right now. I think the prize pool is right about fifteen hundred for that first place. Jesus, yeah, that's insane. And um, where the pri- the prize pools have all been donated, right? Yes, that's yeah. that's amazing. That's what's cool about this. Uh, a lot of people are putting a lot of resources into not only being able to play, but to making sure the players are supported. And that that's cool, and that's one of the things that I think you've done really well here, as far because this was a, a brainchild basically a couple yeah. of months ago. Yeah. It was nothing, um, and you've in about sixty seventy days. I think it's been yeah. right about there. Uh, you've turned this into this absolutely profound event that's getting all kinds of support. Um, I know we've had a few donations on. I think one or two. We're we're actually our listeners are skimping a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Dave Unger. Yeah, I see you there. Thank you. Um, and, you know, like we said initially, even if even if our listeners don't do anything, we're going to show up and play. Uh, that's important to us, and that's important to me. And, you know, I think it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so uh, are there any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with? So there's, uh, I guess, a few things I'll bring up is um, one thing is if you're interested in donating to the, to the event or if you – uh, there's, uh, if you check out our, uh, Facebook page, you can find a way to do it most effectively, or you can contact, uh, contact us. And one of the ways to do that would be, uh, at, uh, my, the, the support section of dungeon crawl for the cure. And that's support at, uh, DC for cure, C U R E.com. Or you can do it through Facebook. Um, it's going to be faster on Facebook cause we're all addicted to it. Uh, and, um, if you have anything, if say you're a local business, you're a creative person, you're a musician, you're an artist, whatever it is, if you have something that you would like to donate to the event, I am, I would, I would feel grateful. Uh, uh, anything that makes, uh, helps us help people is, is, is what I love. And, um, I, one of the, is so those are the things for the Dungeon Crawl for the Cure, the things I want to want to throw in. Uh, and in terms of life, you know, I uh, uh, say for me, getting cancer, I don't know if I threw this, talked about this earlier, was the greatest thing to ever happen to me, the best thing to have ever happened to me. Uh, throughout my life, I've always looking for a purpose, and it wasn't until I was baptized by this, fi- this fire that I discovered why I'm here on the earth. And uh, I hope that whenever you come here to this event, uh, that you're uh, able to be inspired to uh, uh, discover more joy and, and to see in what ways that we all can come together to help each other help ourselves. You know, how can you 
make the world a better place. And we don't always have time to do it because world is complicated and we have all these hardships in our life. But is it through these events that we can make the world a better place and have a great time doing it? I love it. Um, to our listeners, as always, go to entertainthegeeky.com. You can like, comment, subscribe, all of our social media craps there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, also, we have a click button up for Dungeon Crawl for the Cure with a little blurb about it. Um, so you can go there if you want to donate, or you can go straight to dungeoncrawlforthecure.com, and you can donate there. Uh, anything that you can do is and will be very appreciated, um, even if it's a dollar. Dollar goes a long way. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so if you know if it's five dollars, if it's five hundred dollars, I don't give a shit. Sean doesn't give a shit. <laughs> we um we want to see it go to a good cause, and uh, this is something that you know he believes in, we believe in. That's why we've been gung ho about it. So um, make make it happen, guys. And as always, stay geeky. <laughs>